and welcome to the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. And it's just the two of us, and it's also crunch time right now. You really feel the end of the season really kind of coming up in baseball right now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's about to get either real sad or real fun, maybe both simultaneously. We'll, we'll see, but uh, exciting times right now for tech baseball, for sure. Yeah, less so for tech softball. We'll get to that a little later, but... You want to just do that now? You want to just yeah, do that let's now? Get, let's, let's just get the be sad, sad stuff for a out second. Of the way. Yeah, we didn't plan this this way, so I don't have that box score pulled up yet, but uh, it was bad. We lost like 9-2 to two against Marshall in the first game, single elimination. <laughs> Not much to say, except we uh, went to Bowling Green and then went home. So, uh, yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> that's about it, right? I mean... Not great. Yeah. There were a couple times where Tech started to make a push, but it was pretty much Marshall's game to lose throughout. I had it on. It was on ESPN+. You could watch it, but at some point, you just didn't want to watch it. Yeah. By the time I could have turned it on at work, uh, it was already like six to nothing after the second inning, I think, something like that. So I uh, did not end up tuning in for it, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. An up-and-down season ends in down fashion. Two years ago, Tech won the whole thing. They were the defending champions in the softball tournament. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, we've had some turnover with the coaching staff, and, you know, that two years ago was a different coach, and then that, uh, I don't even remember her name, but Wynn Ratliff or something like that came in, and, and then she ended up leaving after the 2020 season. Don't know what happened there, but so even without considering COVID, this is a pretty volatile time for Tech softball, so... Um, for them to make the tournament is probably good this year, and hopefully they can kind of get back to building on that momentum they had in 2019 next year. Especially when you consider things like the softball stadium just finished, gotten built right before the season started. Dr. Billy Bundrick Field. Yes, but they've been practicing, and, and when you're replacing a lot of the team and stuff, it sometimes takes a little bit for everybody to gel together. And the baseball team had similar issues, but the baseball team also has a lot of returning talent that has just stayed in the program UAB football style throughout the years. <laughs> and they can, some of them could come back <laughs> next year too. My goodness. Yeah. So you mentioned that senior day was yesterday, Sunday, only six of the 13 seniors were actually honored on Sunday. And those are the, the six players who were also seniors in 2020, but decided to come back. So that's Bates, Wells, Garcia, Griffin, Fallis, and Fagan. Um, so they, they don't have any choice. They're gone. They're, uh, you know, aging out of the program, if you will, after this season. But the other seven seniors were not honored, which I thought was a little interesting. Nathan, you got any more about that? I think we should first list those seven guys that were not honored as seniors. It's Taylor Young, Steele Netterville, Alex Ray, Cade Gibson, Shamar Page, Jarrett Worf, and Kyle Krager. Woo, those are some big names. I mean... Those are some big names right there. We got three starting. Well, Netterville's been a DH for most of this season, but, you know, two starting fielders, two of the starting uh, pitching rotation right now. You got Krigger, who's one of our better relievers, whatever that, you know, for better or worse, whatever that means. <laughs> um, you know, does that mean they're coming back? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I what I remember is, funny enough, it was at an ODU game a couple of years back. Went down to that game. It's about a three-hour drive from me in, in the D.C. area. 
And I ran into Chris Clayton's parents down there. They actually had like a tent set up on the sideline. Sideline, this is baseball. Along the base path, one of the sides. <laughs> but ended up talking to their family for a bit. And their whole thing was, look, if you get drafted, you're done. You want to come back? You want to you play another year? Because you, you just love playing baseball. But if you get drafted and you have a chance to become a major league baseball player, that's what these guys are dreaming about. Yeah. And for for Parker Bates, Hunter Wells, and Manny Garcia, they have a real shot at getting drafted. Even Kyle Griffin, who's had a bad year this year, has shown in the past that he can he's got some stuff. These are some guys that can get drafted. And sometimes you want to hang up the hat and just say, Hey, look, I've been doing this for five years. It's time to move on. And I don't think that I I can crack a minor league roster or whatever. But there are some guys that can get drafted. And surprisingly, I think Taylor Young and Steel Neverville are two of them. But they seem to be leaning towards, at least right now, coming back. Yeah, but so it's worth noting uh, my favorite Twitter personality, Taylor Young's mom, <laughs> um, <laughs> responded. So Blue Tech Blue tweeted out, you know, the same thing we're talking about right now. Basically, the, the super seniors got honored, but notably Netterville and Young are not being honored. So, you know, kind of eyeball emojis. Are they coming back? And um, Taylor Young's mom responded with just a red and a blue heart. And that's it to that tweet. So I don't know what that means. Um, it, it doesn't mean anything, obviously, but. It's definitely going up on the board with all the yarn and, and thumbtack yep. pictures exactly. of, of yeah. tweets and images. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this point, most of them are just Taylor Young's mom's tweets. And I'm just trying to like find hidden meanings and stuff in them. But uh... if you take the first letter of each of the tweets. And... <laughs> apply it's... a caesar cipher <laughs> yeah i mean who knows at this point but there's a chance but it feels weird not having this well there's always next year mindset because yeah the regular season isn't over and we still have the conference tournament to play but unless those things go horribly awry and i can't wait to edit myself talking about this later when it does go horribly awry <laughs> tech should be in the ncaa postseason and who knows from there oh i think i think our re- we're okay let me I'm knocking on wood as I say this just so everyone knows but we we have done enough to be in the playoffs no matter what happens we could lose our first well I'm not going to say that because I never mind that's but what I'm saying <laughs> we look <laughs> we're gonna, no, even, even if that happened though we would be still in we're I mean right now we're looking at being a host site you don't fall from being a host site to being out just based on two games two bad games in the conference tournament that's not how it works on that NCAA postseason, though, there's some news in that arena, too, wasn't there? Yeah, this week was the week that the NCAA baseball committee, I guess, put together their 20 potential host sites, of which 16 will actually be host sites. And unsurprisingly, but still feels great to talk about, Tech was named one of those 20 potential host sites, which means that Rustin could, in a couple weeks, be hosting an NCAA baseball regional. For the first time ever. For the first time ever. That's awesome. It's so great. We don't have it yet. And again, things can still go horribly awry. Mm-hmm. But we have a pretty good shot at hosting a regional. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, we have a we have a phenomenal shot. They're going to cut four from the list of 20 and we're on the list of 20, right? So yeah, but we're closer towards the back of the list. If we were a top yeah. 10 seed, I wouldn't be sweating at all. But when we're number 14 in D1 baseball, and we'll talk about these polls in a little bit. We kind of straddle that edge of are we a host site or are we not a host site? I'm I'm not counting my chickens yet. Oh no! I mean, look, there's still baseball to be played, and it, it's not decided, and it won't be decided until May 31st, right? But part of it's going to be political, part of it's going to be narrative, and we've got 
the narrative side wrapped up. I mean, it's our first time ever hosting the tornado angle, you know, just so if they're if we're like in a battle for that 16 spot, I think we get the 16 spot over anybody else on that list just because of the narrative. And no matter what we're in, you know, there's no way we fall out of the top 64 just by, you know, you know, even if we lose like 20 to nothing in both conference <laughs> games we play, um, which now that I've spoken that into existence, let's, uh, yeah, uh, let's get off of this because that feels yeah, like is... a, a, a bad, bad thing to talk about. But yeah, let's jump forward to some more sadness. Let's talk about this LSU game, because Ooh, if you yeah. saw the first LSU game earlier back in, was it February or March? pretty much saw this one too it's a game where lsu started cold tech started hot those four nothing bulldogs midway through the third things are feeling good things are feeling like this is going tech's way but then after the third inning it's four to three and then it's eight to six lsu after the next inning yeah i mean like like we said last week this was gonna be a bullpen game pretty much um i think i predicted wharf would go three maybe four innings he ended up going two two is that right yep yeah <laughs> We needed more from him if we were going to actually compete for this game, I think. Um, it was a late season midweek game, and clearly the polls didn't end up caring that much. But and LSU's a good team, too. It's it, yeah. They're not a regional hosting team, which is kind of the threshold now when we're talking about <laughs> quality wins and quality losses. But LSU's a good team. They are a postseason team. They could make some noise in whichever regional around Mississippi or maybe even in Ruston, hopefully not, that they end up in. But yeah, as soon as Worf leaves the game, he allowed one hit while he was on the mound. He was taken out again so he could throw this Sunday against UTSA that we'll talk about in a second. The pitching staff did not do very well to go through those very quickly, just with how many outs they threw and how many earned runs they allowed. Oh my god. This is a fun oh, this is gonna no. be a fun time. <laughs> Greg Martinez, one out, three earned runs. Ooh. Kyle Griffin, four outs, four earned okay. runs. Oh, <laughs> Tyler Fallas, zero outs, one earned run. Uh. <laughs> Landon Tompkins, my boy, one out, two earned runs. Yikes. Kyle Krigger, here we go, six outs, no earned runs. Whoa! Yeah, he gets a party hat, he throws yeah. some confetti around. <laughs> and then Nick Ellis comes in, two outs, four earned runs, right before the rain delay, end of the game. Uh, Landon Tompkins, my boy, ends up with a loss. But really, that loss should be shared between five of the seven guys who threw that night. It was yeah. not a great night to be a pitcher. Yeah, and I mean, just the the flow of this game was super weird because, I mean, we we go up, what, four to zero and things are seeming good, but it was still so early in the game and you knew Wharf wasn't going to go very far. You know, it feels like it, if Wharf pitches this whole game, it's a totally different game, right? But I mean, you never maybe, know. They, yeah, maybe you never know. They they could have heated up their second time through seeing Wharf too. They they got a bunch of hitters on their team, you know. But yeah, I mean, it, it just like the floodgates opened for LSU in that third inning, and they just never closed. And the only thing that closed them was the giant rainstorm coming through that ended up calling the game after the seventh. But it was it was over at that point. Yeah, and, and Tech struggled at bat in the last two innings that they. They hit in as well. So Tech yeah. had kind of been keeping up with it. And you thought, well, this is just, this is a, a Sunny Dykes football game. Whoever can score the most wins. It doesn't matter about how well you're playing defense or, or pitching. The only other thing I want to mention from this game is uh, 
Tech took the loss, but man, those the first to third base umpires also, especially that first base umpire, took some some major losses as well. He was challenged, I think, four times and lost all four of them. So I remember uh, three of them distinctly. Two of them against LSU, not in their favor. One against Tech. It was, it, and these were there were some calls that even the commentators were like, "How do you not? Yeah, that's call obvious. You right there. You're calling a D1 baseball game between." like two quad one teams what are you doing missing that like dude was safe by like a half step you know it's like man i could have seen that i umped eight year old baseball for one year and i could have seen that <laughs> i was gonna say i have no umping experience so i can't say anything wasn't but, fun got yelled at a lot by eight-year-olds parents <laughs> that sounds just about right for what yeah. you should expect in that job but yeah not a great game and the first game of the UTSA series also was not that great of a game. The one that Tech dropped and the first loss of the season for Jonathan, the pitcher Fincher. Oh, he gives wow. up six earned runs and six plus innings. Yeah, I actually did not get to follow along with this game that much. So I, I guess I'll let you take this one. I was able to listen to the other games um, during my lake house trips, but I missed this one. So I'm interested to hear how it went down. Yeah, I don't want to spend too long going through the actual when runs were scored because yeah. it was here and there throughout. But even though Fincher kind of struggled early on, it was Tompkins and Kyle Krieger that allowed the tying and winning runs to score in the seventh. Uh, Tompkins came in, gave up two walks immediately, loaded the bases and got pulled. Ooh. Then Kyle Krieger comes in, gets a double play, a run scores, which is not great. But I think at the time that only ties the game. Or maybe gives in no, that gives them one run lead, but then throws a wild pitch mm. a couple pitches later, and that gives them a seven to five lead after that seventh inning. But it's the bottom of the ninth that I really want to focus on right now because Tech oh, had man. a chance to tie or take this game, and I fully blame coaching for the reason why we didn't. I heard oh. you audibly, oh man, in the background while I was saying that. Okay, so I see here McConnell singles to start the inning, and then they bring in a sep another pitcher. Then Matulia gets walked, um, so we got first and second with no outs. Okay, so then Corona strikes out swinging. Is there something weird there with coaching, or is that just... It's Yes, it's with Corona. Okay, and so the box score happens? doesn't yeah. really give you this, but Corona steps up to bat. Runners on first and second, no outs. You're down by two. Corona, yeah. with a bat in his hand, can win the game. He's coming off this FIU game, FIU series, a weekend ago, where he hit yeah. over two OPS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Corona okay, is a so... hot hitter. He went one for three against LSU, which is not great, but still pretty good for this guy. He goes up to plate, squares to bunt. Oh, what? Has he even bunted at all? I think La Tech Sports Report said he tried once or twice this season, maybe. But this is not a guy who's known to bunt. And what Burroughs is trying to do is get the runners in scoring position, the tying runs, yeah. so that hopefully the next guy can hit him in. I mean, okay, so that's on paper, that's what you do, right, in, no. in baseball? No. <laughs> if on Corona paper. is a pitcher, no. But, if Corona if Corona is, a, is an what? eight or a nine batter, this is what you do. Well, if we don't, if we're not, you know, the top 15 in the top 15 in all major hitting statistics i think you bunt and that's <laughs> fine with zero outs and two men on to get them in scoring position but we are in uh i have that for later in the show but we are in the top 15 in batting average slugging percentage on base percentage so like ooh, that's interesting okay so so corona strikes out 
trying to bunt. But it just, you felt the air go out of the balloon when he squares the button and is not able to make it happen and then strikes out. It went from a, we have this, we have the guys on, this is the magic, this is how this team works, to, uh, okay, I guess we're not going to get this one. Really? Just in one out? Yeah. Wow. It was it was a momentum swing that was so drastic. When you're down by three, one out matters a lot. And to give it up and then also go, okay, well, we didn't even get anything, even though we were willing to get an out, we weren't even able to move the runners, giving ourselves up. It It sucked. And Ben yeah. Brantley, who comes up next, he pinch hits for Alex Ray. He brings the count to a full count, but then he pops up. And then Taylor Young strikes out swinging, and that's the game. Ah, uh, that sucks. Because yeah. you're right, it feels like we had it, you know? And then all that momentum is just immediately gone. Game two, though, Saturday afternoon, completely different beast. Ryan Jennings on the mound throws a three-hit game over seven innings to lead Tech to a 4-1 to one win over the Roadrunners. Uh, this was a pitcher's duel, if you've ever seen one before, because the UTSA pitching staff weren't really slouches either in this one, shutting Tech out in all but one of the innings, the fourth. So yes, Tech won. They scored four runs, but take out one inning, and this could have been another very close loss to the Roadrunners. In that fourth inning, it starts with a single and a hit-by-pitch, and later in that inning are one, two, three guys. Taylor Young, Hunter Wells, and Parker Bates hit singles back-to-back-to-back, to kind of blow this one open and oh man and then i i was i was watching this one at the time mcconnell lined out to the second baseman and that i think if i remember correctly that one almost got through yeah and it would it would have scored two more runs or well one more run because uh wells was on third on that fielder's choice but man so real real close to adding another run there but yeah great inning and you know that's what those guys do man they they get in a groove and they will uh They'll put together some hits right in a row, and that's really been this team's MO all season. Yeah, it's kind of interesting when we're going to talk about ODU in a little bit, but Tech plays this small ball very well, minus the bunts, and I'm very close to photoshopping a Steve Gleason uh, never punt sign to say never bunt, but <laughs> Tech plays the single, double, single, 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 hit by pitch, walk, single, an out or two in the air, another single. They, they do this so well, and they score so many runs that way. Again, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I'm very curious when ODU comes to town because they're a power hitting team. Uh, yeah, this game, this game two against UTSA, I believe probably the biggest game of the weekend because it snaps the two game losing streak for Tech after yeah. losing to LSU and the first game. Yeah, so I mean, great to to bounce back, especially with them coming out and scoring a run in that first inning. But then, you know, two quick outs and that double ended up being one of three hits that they allowed. So or that that Jennings allowed. So you know, yet another complete game, really, really good performance from one of Tech's pitchers, and hopefully we'll see a lot more of those in the coming weeks. Yeah, I'm very happy to see Ryan Jennings turning it around this weekend, I guess now, is the best way to say it. Yeah. Again, not Tech's best pitcher on the mound, but he was the best one this weekend. I wonder, I don't know anything about how you build a rotation for conference tournaments, but, and again, jumping ahead in the show here... <laughs> We play UTSA in the first round of the uh, tournament and Ryan Jennings just kind of, if you think of these four games as an audition to pitch that game, I don't know if you just pitch your best pitcher in game one and that way he's ready for the weekend if we're still alive or what? I I don't really know how that works. And we're skipping ahead to next week now because I think that's when we'll talk about this. Yeah. But yeah, Jonathan Fincher did not throw very well in that first game and he's who you'd expect to throw first because he's your best guy. Yeah. 
He's your Friday night starter in the tournament, but do you throw the guy who struggled against UTSA when you're opening the series, uh, the tournament against UTSA? And you just played them. It's not like we played them two months ago, right? It's We'll talk more about this, and maybe by next week, they'll have announced the starting pitchers for the first round or something. Anyway, back to the past, a.k.a. Back to the past, because we have two more games to talk about. And yeah. yeah, so game three, the later Saturday game, starts out, but none of us knew what was happening. I guess you could well, pull I up did. the radio stream. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I did, because I was just I should have done. I wasn't watching. I was just listening to Dave Nitz on my phone, so I knew what was happening. But yeah, there. I guess CUSA TV played the first game again. <laughs> For a while, it said the game wasn't going to start for another hour when they were in the second or third inning. It was it was I mean, fun to try to to fight with that. Look, it it was it's May seventeenth now. It was May fifteenth. Like this season's almost over. You gotta. Could you imagine a worse service than Conference USA TV that costs twelve dollars a month for you to watch? I mean, my God, ESPN Plus wasn't the best on Sunday either. But ESPN Plus has only done one game in Ruston that I'm aware of this year. So I give them a little bit of a break and they um, cost six bucks a month instead of however right. much I'm paying for. And you TV. get a bunch of extra shit with it. But anyway, yeah. this game, the Saturday afternoon game was interesting. Um, <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're coming off of a, a great pitching performance and you're hoping, you know, maybe I guess Gibson got the start in this game. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, you're hoping Gibson can come out and maybe find some of his stuff again. And he was okay, right? And and Tech was winning this game. And I, I don't know. Do we want to go through it? Because there's a couple moments in this game that I want to. Yeah, it's like looking at the to. box score. It's like kind of kind of jumps, right? There's nothing happening for a couple innings, and then there's something happening in the fifth, right? And then the seventh happens. And yeah, anyway, those are the two places I want to jump to. Yeah, yeah, yeah so let's, let's talk about the fifth inning real quick. UTSA is up three to one at this point. Ken Gibson is, it's not a gem of a performance, especially coming after Ryan Jennings, but he's pitching you well enough that you can win this game with your bats, allowing UTSA to score only three. And something we didn't really talk about last week uh, previewing this game is that UTSA has some bats. This team wins games by out hitting the opponent, something that Tech does and something that ODU does too. So, but yeah, this game, let's go to the fifth again, three, one UTSA Tech up to bat. We have the top of the lineup coming up though. One, two, three, starting off the fifth. Young singles, well singles, Bates gets hit by a pitch, Garcia doubles, McConnell singles, Matulia walks, Nineveh walks, all that before a single out. Tech is up yeah. six to four already. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. It's this inning started four to two. So yeah. Six to four at this point, but we're not done. Corona re- reaches on a fielder's choice where the out is made at third. So now Tech has runners at first and second and is leading seven to four with one out. Of course, then we have two outs back-to-back with Ray striking out and Corona. But a huge breakthrough inning where it feels like, okay, now, I mean, we just played two seven-inning games, so it, the game feels like it'll go on forever because you have to play an eighth and a ninth this time. But after five, you're thinking, okay, yeah, we got this. We're good. Well, We're this is game seven three, to four. So it, it's still a seven-inning game. You're right. We just played an eighth inning for fun. Um, but yeah, and, and the way that UTSA approached this entire series. And I think they approach most of their games like this is that, you know, they had a starting pitcher who went three innings. Uh, then they pulled him, even though, you know, tech has only scored one run up to that point and they pull him at 44 pitches. And, you know, then, then the most anybody else pitched was two innings. So 
they were doing that. And so it felt like once we blew this game open, you know, they've already used like four pitchers up at that point. So it's like, well, who's left that's going to come in and, and stop us, right? Once we got those, what, five runs in the fifth, I mean, to me, it kind of felt like, okay, we got this, right? I mean, Gibson's good enough and it was only seven to four, but it still felt like Gibson was good enough to get those remaining outs. Or you could have somebody like a Krigger or a Tompkins come in and get those remaining outs and, and we'd get out of there with a win, you know? Yeah, but let's go to our second moment that I want to talk about. The mm. top of the seventh. Ugh. Again, seven inning game. So Tech only needs three outs here and they can win this one seven to four. And it starts off pretty well too. The first batter strikes out. Gibson is chugging along still, hoping to kind of complete this seven inning complete game. And he gives up a single. Next guy. So one out, a single. No big deal. All right. I mean, it was a full count. You kind of got him. Three pitches later, he gives up a fielder's choice. So you still only have the guy at first. The, the tag is made at second to get that guy out. So two outs now, runner at first. And the tying run is still in the on-deck circle. So you're not really too worried yet here either. Gives up another single guy at first and second. Now the tying rates, tying runs at the plate. Now you're a little bit nervous and probably time to, okay, let's get Krigger up. Let's get him warming. I think you've been up already, but let's go ahead and get somebody up just in case. Because the just in case happens, that guy, the tying run, singles through the left side, scoring one run and advancing another to second. And now you have the winning run at the plate. So Kyle Krigger comes in. Krigger, I mean, who has pitched what, what do you, significantly. <laughs> what do you think about that decision? You got one out left. I mean, Gibson... I mean, he's given up, what, two hits in the inning so far or three hits? Three hits. Yeah. I just have a problem with thinking like, okay, this guy's gotten me 20 of the 21 required outs to win this game, but I'm going to pull him out for one, like the last one and bring in a guy who's cold and and who's not like a shutdown, like closer dude all the time. Sometimes he is, but sometimes he's just not, right? And that could be said of anyone in our bullpen that they sometimes just don't have it in them to come out and just get one out. So, but I know Gibson can get one out. I don't know. Here's my thinking about this right now. Yeah. If, so there was three singles. If two of those had been walks, I think I'm okay with him getting the hook. Yeah. He's still throwing strikes. He's still throwing strikes. Yeah. He's throwing strikes. He's not walking guys. He, that last single too came on a full count. Uh, so I just you're, saw you're trying that. to get that strike in there. Oh man, full count. So you're one pitch away. One pitch away. You're down to your final strike if you're UTSA. For Gibson, I I would keep him in here, especially when your alternative is either Krigger or Tompkins, because you only have two relievers. When your bullpen is that short, where you might as well only have three warm bodies down there, then would I call him get the, your guy a chance. Group of bums. Yeah, <laughs> and he's not giving up hard contact either. Yeah, yeah. There's. <laughs> <laughs> There's your uh, your callback to last week. You These aren't hard hit. I'd much yeah. rather a guy who's able to throw strikes than a guy I don't know if he can throw strikes on this particular day. And Which... that's with the benefit of hindsight, but hindsight's yeah. pretty accurate here because Thornquist, the next UTSA batter, gets walked on five pitches, loading the bases from Krigger. Krigger on the next pitch throws a ball. The next pitch throws another ball. 2-0 count now with the bases loaded. You have to throw a strike here. Everyone knows it. The The coaches know it. The players know it. The, the umpire knows it. The guy at the plate knows it. Yeah, especially Paxton, the guy at the plate. He knows, he knows it. it so He knows it so hard that he knows what to look for and doubles down the left field line, scoring two and tying this game up. 
luckily, yeah, the guy who had just walked the previous at bat, Thornquist, who was at first base, decided to round third and head for home. Gets tagged out pretty easily at the plate. Yeah, but I don't really blame them for that. Oh, yeah, who knows I mean, how that throw goes. Look, they're going for the win, right? I mean, they're playing the number fourteen team in the nation, and they've already beat us once. They're going for it. I, I don't blame them at all, right? Uh, that's yeah, it. Looked goofy because of how he was. Yeah. Three quarters of the way there when he got thrown out, but <laughs> I mean that—that's how you want to go down. Gone. It, yeah, you never know if if the throw is going to be bad or you know anything like that. I mean, luckily uh, McConnell out there in left field just rockets it in, and you know it's it's all she wrote for them. But this game, the the bottom of the the last regular inning also kind of felt like we had something going. We had McConnell single to left field to start it out. Um, Matulia pops up when they bring in a new pitcher. I need, then, I need to pause on this for a second because you know how Matulia pops out, right? Uh, He's trying to bunt. Oh, shit. He tried to... Oh, no. He tried to bunt and popped up easily to the third baseman. There were three or four players on the field that could have caught that. Again, trying to move the runner Matulia? into scoring position. Matulia, who granted had not had a hit so far this yeah, series. Okay, okay, but hold on, though, because Matulia's... I mean, due. this series... <laughs> he was due. But, Matulia has an OPS of 976, a batting average of 319, and a slugging percentage of 552. And we got a runner on first base. I mean, look, he had a cold series up to this point, but I mean, he was due. Uh, and he again, was due. I don't know if he's bunted at all. I can't remember one. I don't know if there's a stat for that. I, I'm kind of is that is that a stat I can look at? How many bunts not, they have? Not to my knowledge. I think I can look up how many as a team they have, but that may be about. Buzz- as good as it gets, and I don't, no, I can't even yeah. do that right now. Yeah, it's not a lot. This team has not bundled a lot because for the same reason we haven't stolen a lot of bases. Yeah, because we just get hits. Yeah, some of it comes to we don't have the guys who who have the experience stealing bases, other than Taylor Young or Bunning. Other than I can't even think of an example. What? But why risk getting thrown out when you're stealing, or why risk you know why give yourself a free out or give the other team a free out on a sacrifice bunt if you can. If you can get a hit into the left field, you know, like, I, I don't know. That's interesting. And I wonder if that'll, if that's a sign of, you know, maybe Lane Burrow's overthinking things, or is that just, he's trying to, to get that in as practice or something. Cause that's, we haven't seen that all year. Yeah. I don't like the term overthinking things. Yeah. Just as, as a thing for a coach, it's, it's very rare that I think the coach is actually overthinking it as much as they are, okay, I need to move the guy into run, in the scoring position, so I'm going to have my guy bunt, because if he's able to get it down, then he gets the runner in the scoring position. To me, that's probably not thinking enough than overthinking it. Yeah. Because uh, if you thought harder, you'd think, this is Philip Matuli at the plate. And McConnell's locks it all. So a, a double, McConnell's going to score. He's really fast. Um, so, yeah, you and, know, you, you place the ball right on the field. He's going to score from first base. So he might even be in scoring position. If you just let Matulia who again, cold this series, but 552 slugging percentage. I mean, that's good. Yeah. That means the dude gets some extra base hits. So I don't know. That's yeah, interesting. I, I, I don't like it at all, but here we are. He pops out Yeah, and it's not over again because He's not going to bunt with two outs. That'd be kind of dumb. Netterville actually gets on. Here's where it felt like, again, it felt like the air came out of the sails where it's, okay, we're going to blow this one too, aren't we? But then Netterville reaches thanks to an 0-2 count and a catcher's interference. 
where he hits the catcher. <laughs> yeah. Usually you hit the glove, but the way the catcher went down, I didn't really get to see it when it happened. But the way he stayed down for a bit, it made me think that he got hit somewhere other than the glove. Uh, Yeah, I think Dave Nitz said it looked like his hand might have been hurt. So I think it, it caught him like really bad. So I don't know what that dude was doing because you, you have to, to get hit on your actual hand with the bat, you have to be way in the way like that. That's Usually it's just close. the tip of the glove or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Then uh, after that, though, we have two straight strikeouts. Corona strikes out. On a full count, and then Brantley strikes out, mm. going to the eighth, then, which is extra innings, but it doesn't feel like it should be extra innings because baseball should be nine innings. Right. But other than a other than a couple of singles and a stolen base, UTSA is not able to cause any damage in the top of the eighth. Tompkins is able to pitch around the guys. Griffin comes in for a single batter and um, gives up a single, so they have runners on the corners with uh, with two outs. And then Martinez comes in and, uh, you know, gives up a steal, whatever. They put two men in running or scoring position, but um, then... Defensive indifference. Yeah. <laughs> then then gets the strikeout swinging, which is, you know, that's what you're going for anyway, but you just need the one out. So, obviously, you'd rather not have two runners in scoring position, but I'd rather that than have Corona try to throw him out and have it go in the outfield and give up the lead on that, you know? So, yeah. just play it safe and it ends up working out because Martinez gets uh gets a strikeout leading to the bottom of the eighth which yeah like you said it's uh it's three lines here but that's because it went really really well yeah just started off again top of the order one two three batters in young heads up to the plate Taylor young five pitches later heads down to first base takes a walk good things happen when young gets on base to start an inning I'm just saying. And you're absolutely right. Hunter yeah. Wells then, a few pitches later, hits a single and is able to move down Young into second base. And now you're thinking Parker Bates is at plate at the plate. Yep. You just need a single to the outfield. Taylor Young is fast enough. Oh, if he yeah. knows the ball is not going to get caught, he's in. And Tech wins the game. That's what you're hoping for But right now. You're just hoping for something to the outfield, just in the outfield somewhere where it hits the ground, find some room where Taylor Young can can use his wheels to score. But instead, here's what you get. But but look, hold on. Parker okay. Bates, though, he he sees there's something going on in the outfield. At, at first, it's just a slight little rumble, you know? He's like, what is that? I don't know. I'm, I'm stepping up to bat. I'm not really sure. Okay, a pitch goes by, a pitch goes by. Okay. Then he's like, all right, it's the rally train. So I don't need a single. Chug, I don't chug, need a double. Chug, I don't need a triple. Chug, what do I need? What, what does he need, chug, Dave Nitz? Chugga choo-choo. In this game alone, 2-2 pitch. Hit toward right field. Back on it goes the right fielder. Bailey at the wall. See you later. Home run. Bulldogs win. Bulldogs win. How can you not smile hearing that? God, he's so good. A three-run home run. And the Bulldogs Sweep the doubleheader and Bates is mobbed at home plate. This is tearing up. Yeah. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that that home run, first of all, was a no doubter off the bat. I mean, uh, he it, it was just gone. It was just gone immediately. As you could tell from the crowd reaction, I think Tekelum 05, um, William Smith, who's, you know, probably the leader all time in GTPDD tweets of the week, um, tweeted out that. I think it was him said that uh, he thinks the ball landed between the back fence 
and the train track. So it didn't hit the rally train, but it came real close, real close. Yeah, we'll have to save some of those rally train doinkers off the side of the train for, for one, of the, one of the tournaments coming up. Yeah. But yeah, just a great ending to a game that we've talked a lot about. There was a lot to talk about in this game. But to me, this was the most complete game, the most fun to watch, the most... I mean, of course, it ends on a walk-off. What, what, what more yeah. could you love than a walk-off win at home? But Sunday's game was a little safer <laughs> towards the end. Tech run-ruled UTSA, but it took 17 runs to do it <laughs> as Tech win, takes the series with a 17-7 win. Yeah, I mean, pretty dicey there in the middle. I guess uh, Worf ended up only going three-ish innings. Is that right? Four? I think it was three. Yeah, three innings, six hits, four earned runs over that time period. I saw something about him looking uncomfortable or something. And, you know, obviously with the games we have coming up and the tournaments we have coming up, you you want to you don't want to push anything too hard, even if you even if it means dropping a game. But also if you're the coaching staff, I mean, look, UTSA, like I said, they they pitched their starters for two or three innings and pulled them. And there were some some of their pitchers pitched in all four of these games that's insane like that is i've never heard of that before you know a pitcher pitching in even all three games of a three game series but let alone four so you kind of felt like this one was going to break open at some point um for the in the bulldogs favor because they were running real short on arms but yeah I, i guess Worf goes three and he gave up four runs in that third inning so i guess it was just like mm, might want to might want to get him out of there before he hurts anything further or you know gives up any more runs yeah and utsa is hitting the end of their schedule the only game they have left before we talk conference championship tournament is against incarnate word at home where they're not even selling tickets to the public for it so just a warm-up game before they travel to Ruston. So, I mean, might as well throw all your guys out there and see what happens and just get them some use, even if it happens to be all four games that they get some use in. But, yeah, you're at at the end of the season. You have a week, a week and a half off before you play your next real game. So you might as well. But, yeah, uh, not Worf's best game, whether because of injury or whatever, but it really kind of makes you rethink about his usage at LSU. You know, hindsight again, it may have been nice to have him for a couple more innings against the Tigers if it meant, even yeah. if it meant having an actual bullpen game this game, because this happened to be the game where the bats hit 17 runs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't need a great pitching staff if you score 17. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, Worf gives up those four runs, and then um, I don't believe, no, he did not get the win because that tied the game at 4 4, and then he goes out. Um, so, so tech takes the lead back in the fifth, five to four UTSA takes it back in the sixth, uh, six to five. And then the fifth inning, I was watching this game. Uh, I, I came back from my, my little vacation trip and had some friends over, uh, waiting for their flight. We were watching and God, this fifth inning felt like it took, I don't know, maybe a full hour. This game was seven innings and it took three hours and 35 minutes. That is insane. Three hits and an error for tech or for tech pitching um in that inning made that last a while but then my god this bottom of the fifth was just like is this inning ever gonna end and it's one where you don't want it to end because you're the ones batting but it's still like man i got stuff to do today guys (laughs) again seven runs in the fifth inning tech is up at that point 12 to 7 
and yeah, the sixth inning the, is scoreless. Batted through the entire lineup. Um, three guys batted twice in this inning. Six hits, seven runs. Um, yeah. And the seventh inning could have been worse if it were in a Sunday game where they're going to call it early because Tech scores five in the seventh inning to take this game 17-7 to after the run rule. It was interesting to hear that when ODU, not ODU, when Charlotte got the first seed, they didn't mob anybody. They didn't really celebrate, apparently. They didn't really take it on the field. But when Tech won this game, <laughs> there was a dog pile. There was a, yeah. a, a huge celebration. And, yeah, I mean, I'd rather win the conference regular season if only to shut up North Texas Twitter for some reason. But <laughs> it, it, I just enjoy seeing this team celebrate and seeing this team have oh, fun yeah. and win and have fun, but mostly win, but also really have fun. Well, I think they have more fun when they win. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Batting-wise, though, this game, the 17-7 game, just to kind of go through some of the guys. One, two, three, four, five, six players had a multi-hit game with Wells, Bates, McConnell, Matulia, Netterville, and Alex Ray all each having two hits in this game. Mm. Hunter Wells had four RBIs on the night, also with two walks. Some just, of those guys needed that. I mean, Ray hadn't had a hit the whole series, and Matulia either, I don't think. And so, you know, huge confidence boost for those guys here wrapping up conference play, um, you know, on a on a good note, you know, proving to themselves that they can do it. And even if they can't bunt. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, Tech dominated this game. Hopefully they're able to carry this forward to Old Dominion. But first, let's pick a player of the week. Evan, do you have a player of the week? Oh, man. OK, so I'm having trouble here because I think think you're going to take Hunter Wells, which is fine. You can you can take him. But Parker Bates had the game-winning home run, so that's big. But Cole McConnell down there, slightly lower OPS than Parker Bates, 1.554 compared to 1.587. You haven't said the guy's name yet that I'm picking. Really? So you're not picking Hunter yeah, Wells? I'm not. Uh, Okay, well then I'll pick Hunter Wells. 1.95 <laughs> OPS, uh, 9 for 14, add 5 walks in there. Two doubles, one home run, five RBIs. I mean, the dude is just stellar at the plate. He was the CUSA co-hitter of the week. I don't know who he tied with, but I mean, come on. You can't can't have a much better week than that. Um, so Hunter Wells gets it for me. So who who are you picking then? Yeah. See, you're looking at the list of hitters. Well, yeah. And we're what I want to shout out is a pitcher. Because we're a hitting team, we really need to celebrate when a pitcher does his thing. And he might think, You've already decided your boy's Landon Tompkins. You're going to pick your boy, aren't you? But no, my my boy only had an okay week. He had that one great finish of this last game, but that's really me hoping he turns the corner more than him actually having a great week. My player of the week goes to Ryan Jennings, the pitcher yep. who pitched a complete game this week. Yeah. If your bullpen is the problem yeah. and you keep your bullpen in the bullpen and don't let them out and lock the gate, then you're going to have a great time. And that's what Tech did when they won 4-1 and the only pitcher's duel of the week. So Ryan Jennings gets my player of the week honors. I know that means so much to him and his family. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious if that is the hitting low. Yep, UTSA has been held to three hits as their lowest hit total three times, including Ryan Jennings' performance on Saturday. To kind of wrap up this conference USA slate, Tech, again, finished second overall in the conference thanks to the win Sunday and USM's loss to FAU. Tech is the CUSA West Division champions. Yeah. That sounds great, but I mean, we've been division champions in other things before. 
Yeah, it, and I mean, look, I, I normally don't want to celebrate, like, division champions, right? But it's the first time we've won even a division in baseball since 1992. So, like, it is a big deal, especially, you know, we're in the in the same division as Southern Miss and Rice. I mean, Rice had a down year, obviously, but, like, Southern Miss is the baseball power in our conference. So, look, I'll take it. You know, do I want to be the overall champion? And Charlotte didn't have to play us. They didn't have to play Southern Miss. So, I, they won fair and square, right? They played their schedule. They won more games. But I'm feeling pretty good going into the conference tournament. I'll just put it that way. Polling now. Tech moved a little bit, but not really all that much. D1 Baseball has Tech holding steady at 14th. Coaches poll has Tech from 16 to 14th. The National Collegiate Baseball or College Baseball Writers Association also has Tech not moving. 15th overall, both last week and this week. Baseball America, everyone's favorite poll, has Tech up to number Three, has Tech up three slots to number 15? Again, who knows? Maybe if we do lose the next four games and get blown out 20 to nothing in all of them, maybe we'll be number one overall in Baseball America. <laughs> uh, the Collegiate Baseball newspaper has Tech holding steady at 20th, and RPI is at 24. Not, not yeah. bad. Yeah, pretty good stuff. But yeah, so jumping forward this week, Tech plays Old Dominion. There have been some rumbles online that these games may not happen because for both teams... There may not be that much to play for. Tech only really has things to lose, and so does Old Dominion. But I'm personally really hoping these games get played because I will be at these games. I bought the tickets. I mean, I guess I'll get refunded if they don't happen, but I'd really like to go to a, a Tech game again for the first time since I've graduated. Yeah, you got to see Old the new Dom stadium. Yeah, I mean, I'll see it regardless. I saw it was under construction at one point, but I want to I see a game there. Yeah. Old Dominion, number 16 in RPI, number 20 in Baseball America, number 25 in the USA Today poll against top 50 teams. So the top 50 baseball teams, there are eight and six. They beat a possible host, East Carolina, on the road in extra innings, and they split the series with another possible host, Charlotte, where they played eight games back to back to back to back to back to back to back against the 49ers and took half of them. Uh, Play-wise, though, again, I mentioned this earlier, they are a hitting first team. They win games with their bats, and they live and sometimes die by the long ball. They are number two in the country in slugging percentage. Ooh, they are number one in the nation in home runs. Wow. 86 long balls on the year. I'm not sure if we have the numbers yet on what this ballpark, the new J.C. Love field limits when it comes to how well people are hitting in it because there are some differences between this one and the old one, but at least the old one was a very hitter-friendly ballpark. So I'm a little worried about that home run stat. Yeah, I mean, I mean, number one in anything is freaking scary at this point in the year. I mean, they're well-established as number one, so... Yeah, it's not a small sample size. I can stop. I don't have to say that anymore. <laughs> wow, we haven't said that in a long time. Yeah, it's almost like we've played a lot of games where it's no longer <laughs> necessary to say it. Fair enough. Yeah, the Monarchs also, what makes that long ball scary is that they also draw a lot of walks before they hit those long balls. They are 43rd in the nation at drawing walks. Tech is somewhere, I believe, in the 80s when it comes to that. Uh, pitching is not really the best, but it's not bad either. They're number 63 in the country in ERA as a team. Tech is 94th. Really, not surprisingly, drawn down by their bullpen. But yeah, some players to watch on this Monarch team. Uh, when it comes to hitting, they have four guys with an OPS of over one. Kyle Battle, Brock Gagliardi. Whoa. That's funny. I want to say that one again. Brock Gagliardi. Gagliardi. I can't stop saying it. Brock Gagliardi. Uh, Carter Gagliardi. Trice. I, I mean, 
Great name. Uh, that's yeah. all I can say yeah. about it. Great name. It's an elite tier name. Yeah. Brock Gagliardi. It's not as good as DeGuglielmo, but I mean. Uh, pitching wise, Ryan Moore, Hunter Gregory, and Tommy Gertner are their best starters. All of them have sub five ERAs, so that's pretty good. But none of them are a, a shutdown style pitcher. Jonathan Fincher, for example, has a 2.58 ERA as Tech's best starter. Ryan Moore for the Monarchs has a 3.10 ERA. That's still good, but that's not Jonathan, the pitcher, Fincher good. When it comes to relievers, their best by far, and has also pitched quite a bit, is Jason Hartline. Another great name. Not as much fun to say, but Hartline is a great name. 36 and two-thirds innings pitched, a 1.23 ERA. Wow, that's good. That's that's incredible. I'm just excited to go to a baseball game. That's really clouding any kind of judgment I have about what may or may not happen here. But... I mean, this is a tough team. There's a reason why they're a top 20 or top 25 team, depending on where you look. They're a good team. Yeah, I mean, uh, RPI actually has us losing both of these games 7-6 to six at home. I don't know how much that'll affect us if we were to lose both games. I mean, uh, I don't think we would lose both games, but I don't know. It's it's an interesting situation because ODU's a really, really good team. Um, they're coming off of a four game series with Western Kentucky that they won three to one at home. But with that being said, they did lose both doubleheader games to UTSA. So the weekend before that, so they, they're, you know, they kind of fell apart here late in the season where, you know, it was <sighs> fell apart is maybe harsh because they've only lost three games in May so far, but which we have two, I think. Right. Sounds right. Yeah. So I, I mean, look, it's, it's tough to say what'll happen. It's a weird two game series. It's, I don't know. Are they are they like going back to Norfolk after no. and then coming back? So again, with the Rebels, that these games may not happen. The reason why these games were scheduled at all is that Old Dominion thought, "Hey, we want to play some games." The same way that UTSA is playing Carnet Ward next week, let's yeah. play a couple games just to kind of keep loose. And if we're traveling to Ruston anyway, might as well head down there a little early and play these games against the team that's there. Yeah. So that's what what causes this. They'll stay in Ruston. From the 20th until the conference tournament starts on the 26th, they'll they'll stay in Ruston, Monroe, Shreveport, wherever. But they're not flying back to Norfolk because the whole reason is to come down a little early for it. Yeah, so I mean, for what it's worth, Lane Burroughs today on the radio said apparently that the games are going to happen um, or are still currently scheduled to happen. I hope for your sake that they do happen, Nathan, because, you know, I know you want to see a game. I, I want to see games too, right? So I'm... Um, you know, I'm coming in for the conference tournament. If we come out and win two games against the current number 16 team in RPI, it just makes it that much harder to where if we if we lay an egg or if we only make it to the semifinals or something like that. I mean, we've got these two late season top 20 RPI wins under our belt. And it's like, OK, at that point, I feel like we've done enough. I mean, I don't know if time will tell, right? And and for a program like Tech, that needs every dollar they can get. My $15 a game per seat ticket admission <laughs> could be used. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's go ahead and predict these two games, though. Do you think that Tech is able to defy the odds of what RPI says and, and take these two? Or do you think maybe we split or, you know, we just lay an egg? Um, I don't think we lay an egg. I think it'll be interesting to see what we do pitching wise because the Friday game you're you're what four days out five days out from the conference tournament starting so that's theoretically enough time for your starting guys to get work in but I think both teams might approach this as like a hey let's kind of 
let's kind of play as many of our relievers as we can hope to get them some confidence although ODU's not the team to do that against but I'm expecting a split but I would predict 2-0 for us is more likely than 0-2 for us even though they're a higher RPI you know I think that our bats are are really hot right now and they seem to lay eggs more like when they lay an egg it's worse than our egg laying I guess that's a weird way to put that but they they lost to farm wisdom on this week's podcast yeah they uh they lost to UTSA 11 to 0 in one of the seven inning games and it's like okay well that's weird we haven't really done that all year right we haven't like lost that way I think that comes down to the long ball part of it is that yeah yeah. their offense is good when they can hit home runs in that day yeah are you predicting a split or a 2-0 or somewhere uh, <laughs> 1.5 to 0.5? I'll, I'll say a split just for my official position. I think I think we win one and lose one like 10 to 9 or something like that, you know, just can't get it done at the end, kind of like Friday night of last week. All right, I'll predict because I'll be there for both games. Tech will lose both then win the tournament. Wow. So you're predicting the tournament, even though we decided to put that off till next week. At this point, I don't know. I think Old Dominion may be the better team in the moment. Again, I'm afraid of them at JC Love Field because of the home run capability of the Monarchs. But and also because I'll be there and I feel like I'm worried that like I'll go to two games, we'll lose both of them and they'll be sad for me. But yeah, I I'm not sure if we'll even play each other in the tournament because who knows how that will go. But yeah, yeah I, I feel much better be about the, the tournament than I do against Old Dominion right now. Yeah, if we play them, it'll be in the championship game. So um, I think they're the four seed. So they're on the other yeah, side of the bracket from us. So, yeah, that's my prediction. Happy notes, happy thoughts. Let's go to the tweet of the week because there were some great tweets this week. We've had some issues lately of what to talk about for this tweet of the week segment. But this week, to start off with some special shout outs to Taylor Young's mom and also Taylor Young. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say shout out to Taylor Young for just memeing it up on the field. I mean, you had some phenomenal tweets. That clip you posted on Saturday of him like pounding the ground and like saying, yes, we're going to use that a lot. (laughs) That is uh, that is great. And then the uh, the like, are you not entertained move that he did um, was also great that you tweeted the fish thing about. So um, I guess props should actually go to the camera people. For capturing those moments because they were some great moments well yeah the tweets, also, yes, the tweets were memeable. yours though so i'm giving in the tweet of the week <laughs> section i'm giving you the props here well i'm giving cameraman of the week to the people who were operating the cameras the unsung heroes but not everyone on the espn plus broadcast was um a hero um some of the <laughs> the uh the, i guess the Excel spreadsheet that they used to put up the do up batters in the next inning when they went to break was just pulling their, uh, it was, you know, they put in the two, three and four hitter here. And instead of the actual batters in their positions, it is two Parker Bates because his number is two, three Alex Ray and four Cade Gibson. And then it says their uh, batting average right next to it. So Parker Bates, you know, a remarkable 345 batting average at this point in the year. Good on him. Um, unfortunately, he's not the two-hole hitter, so a um, little misleading. Alex Ray obviously bats ninth with a 259 average. Cade Gibson, the normal Saturday game one starter, starting pitcher, uh, is number four on the roster, uh, number four uh, you know, on the back of his jersey, 
He does not bat in the cleanup spot, and his batting average is divide by zero <laughs> because the Excel spreadsheet uh, did not know what to make of his zero at bats so far this year. So that's not the tweet of the week because that is uh, yet another tweet of Nathan's that was very good. What is the tweet of the week, Nathan? The tweet of the week is Cade Gibson responding to our tweet that says that he has he is hopefully not batting <laughs> coming up in that half inning, saying, The swing is deadly, though, honestly. My favorite part about this tweet is not the fact that he responded, but that's how his teammates responded to him. It's, so it, funny. it's uh, Kate Hodges said, it's not. And then oh Kate Gibson God. claps back saying, says the one who can't make contact. Uh, Manny Garcia says, damn, you're hitting fourth. That means I get the pitch now, right? Just great stuff. The entire pitch, the entire bullpen I missed responds all, all on these. this tweet. It's, it's I great. Only saw, I only saw the uh, the Kate Hodges one where he said, it's not. <laughs> but yeah, but Manny Garcia, oh man, that's funny. And then Nick Ellis says, if you're batting, I better be up next. Uh, and then Bryce and then, Kyle Griff. Kyle Griffin oh. responds to Nick Ellis saying you got enough money to afford in that right now, which I, I don't know what that means. And apparently neither does Nick Ellis. Very confused by what he said. Is Nick Ellis poor? <laughs> if this was a New York or LA based professional ball club would be taken out of context and everyone would think, Oh, like the bullpen is fighting with each other, but it's very obvious. They're all playing around and having yeah. fun with each other, which is what you want to see on a team that hopefully wants to win a tournament in a team sport in a couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just great, great tweet. Uh, great. I didn't even know about those additional responses when I chose this, <laughs> this tweet of the week. So yeah, uh, love this team. And, you know, you could tell like when they celebrate at the end of those games, uh, both Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. I mean, this team just, I mean, they gel, they've got, they're, they're clicking at the right time. And even the guys who are struggling will come through and get a hit at the right time. Or, you know, even if they don't, you know, the, the rest of the team picks them up and, you know, it's, it's just really fun to see. And it makes cheering for this team so much easier. Even if I wasn't like already a diehard Louisiana tech fan who records a podcast every week about it, you know, who has tied their social media presence, right. To an athletic program. Yeah. That's, it's so much fun to watch these guys both on the field and storming the field. And so, yeah, that about wraps it up for this episode of the go tech police don't die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G O T E C H P L S D N T D I E or head to our blog where we have a post up a couple weeks ago about stolen bases. That was kind of instantly made not true by how many stolen bases tech has given up, but it's still a fun read. It's at gtpdd.dog. That's where the contest is this week. And there's, again, another chance for you to kind of make up some ground. So things can still move around if you're on the fence there about competing in this in the baseball contest. And again, that's gtpdd.dog or .dog in the contest is slash contest. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. And no one else is here, but it still feels weird. And go tech. Please don't die.
great stuff from Jennings. Can't argue with that at all. If you were going to pick a relief pitcher, I was going to give you a whole bunch of shit and go look at the LSU <laughs> box score and tell you you were dumb. Yeah, that's fair. 